Hello and welcome to the Aligned Leader Podcast. I'm Daniel Jordi and I'm your host. And on the Aligned Leader, we feature some of the most cutting-edge technology CEOs and digital executives in Switzerland in order to empower next-generation entrepreneurs to cut their learning curve and in order to establish Switzerland as a global digital innovation hub. Welcome to the show today. Today I have Igor Ivanov on the show, which is the co-founder and chief commercial officer at Gamaya, which is an agritech startup. And I'm very excited to talk to you. We had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and I found your background very fascinating and also the kind of field that you're tackling and what you're currently up to. So I'm very, very excited to dive into the conversation today. First, let's dive right into your story. Uh, Igor, tell us a little bit more about who you are and uh, what's your personal and entrepreneurial story. Okay, thanks Daniel uh, for this beautiful possibility. So, uh, <clears throat> I'm Russian. I grew up in a small industrial city in Russia. Um, then being 16 years old, I moved to Moscow to do my studies. So I did the studies and having major education in applied mathematics, I started my career in IT company. Actually, even programming uh, different uh, applications. But quickly enough, I realized that this is not what I'm going to do in my life. So actually, I made a transition from, from IT industry to investment banking at the time of the financial crisis when it was, uh, let's say, very shaking uh, environment. Uh, so I learned, I learned a lot. I spent three years uh, providing all, uh, all different financial decision support to the top management. But then I, I thought it's time uh, to, to, to have more frontline position. So I joined the um, energy corporation as an investment manager and did uh, due diligence of hundreds of different investment projects. Um, in parallel of the of the of being investment manager, uh, my my entrepreneurial experience started with the company that we had uh, with our uh, with my friends in IT space. But it was it wasn't a real uh, let's say entrepreneurial experience, but it was a good experience just to kickstart the process. Then actually I had the, my own startup in in, in Moscow. Uh, in smart home devices market, we've been developing and customizing different uh, uh, smart home devices such as, uh, I don't know, light, lightning, uh, electricity management, etc. Um, then when I was involved in the uh, due diligence of the different investment projects, I quickly realized that I need to have a holistic approach how the company works, how to assess the project, not just from financial or investment point of view, but from, from, from other aspects as well. So I decided that it's time to, to do my MBA. So I moved to Switzerland, did my uh, full-time MBA here in St. Gallen. But I came with an idea that I'm not gonna continue my, uh, my professional life in corporates. Um, so after MBA, uh, I got intro introduced by one of our professors to Swiss startup. 
at the time it wasn't it wasn't the company it was just two guys uh, so we've met we discussed and I decided to help them uh, on the business matters business model business plan financials etc I, I was fascinated by the technology and potential of the technology, but I, I still, I decided just to invest my time to understand it a bit more. So I spent like four or five months working with them because in a startup, it's, it's, uh, it's very important to, to get aligned with the people because you work a lot and mentally wise, um, it was a good decision since uh, one of the co-founders is uh, was born in Ukraine, so he has Soviet Union mentality. So it was easy for us to communicate. So this definitely played one of the major roles why we we in the end uh, created Gemaya. So I, I spent five months, and then we decided to incorporate the company, uh, the Gemaya. Uh, so this is this is uh, in short the story. I love it. It's really interesting, like because you also come from a very, very technical uh, background. We all we also made some interesting jumps, you know, from yes. IT to investment banking into a uh, nuclear company, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's just really to me, it's a very fascinating background. I don't meet a lot of um, extremely technical people like you that also have this uh, sense of business. I mean, there's a reason why you're chief commercial officer at the company, right? Um, so, you know, you, you bring this really interesting combination together um, that uh, is, I think it's pretty rare. And uh, I, I, I love that about, you know, this conversation. So um, tell me but a bit more about... Think, uh, sorry for interruption. I think the part of the reason why I changed so many fields, and I actually have four, uh, four degrees just to complement the, the change of, of the fields, because you cannot just change from IT to finance without knowledge. You need to, to gain some knowledge. But the, the, the main reason I think it's just I never perceived myself as a functional, one functional guy. I perceived myself as a cross-functional guy and I had interest to learn just different functions, how they interact with each other in, in, in the company. So this was the reason. And also, obviously, not just functions, but also different industries because I believe that you learn much more by comparing very, very, very much. Absolutely. Um, and this is a great example of, you know, um, because you're, you're a natural learner. You love learning. You love exploring. You love going into new things, which also reflects in your background. So uh, I'm curious about your jump from corporate to entrepreneurship. Because, um, you know, it's, if you look at Switzerland, then, you know, you, you, you haven't been here your entire life, but I guess you grasped a couple, a couple of things, you know, by now. I mean, Switzerland in terms of culture is, um, you know, Swiss, uh, career, uh, entrepreneurship is not a career track that has uh, been taught at university or at school at any point, um, or at least not a valid one. Not in Europe, but in the US it's a different situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, it's, 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 for me, it's always fascinating uh, to learn about what inspires people to, to jump into entrepreneurship, which I believe is the future. So... Yes. What inspired you to go from corporate, you know, having a nice, nicely paid job, you know, good salary, stable, stability and everything um, into entrepreneurship where, you know, you spent the first five months just exploring and just like going, I don't know where it's going exactly, I'm not going, getting paid for this. What inspired you to make this massive change in mindset as well? 
so I think that there are definitely several aspects to, 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 to this question. Uh, one of the, I mean, first of all, it should be personal motivation or like uh, mentality wise uh, need because uh, I mean, not, not, not uh, startups, uh, good, not for, for everyone. I mean, uh, it, it can be disaster for some, for some people. So by, by, but I was driven by the idea to be a manager of myself, take a full responsibility over all decisions that I make. This is uh, very different from usual corporate life. Then I was uh, very much eager to take, uh, to, to, to do a risk-taking approach uh, so that I manage risks and I uh, try to mitigate them uh, by certain actions in a much more proactive way than you. So you, 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 you're much more in front line than you are in corporate because in corporate you can hide yourself by uh, different uh, departments, people, etc. In startup, it's, it's very easy. It's you and there is a customer, investors, partners, etc. And there is nobody else usually in the beginning. There are some, some other co-founders, but usually the functions are split that you don't, you don't have uh, liberty to delegate uh, a lot of responsibilities. So another aspect was just the ability to meet decision makers. In startup, you, you cannot uh, meet uh, medium level managers because they don't decide. So you tend to, to meet very interesting people and high profile people that you can learn from. For example, we met uh, Peter Brabeck, who is chairman of Nestle. Uh, a few weeks ago, I met uh, CEO of Syngenta, etc. So these, these people you usually don't meet in a normal corporate life. So this is, this is the funny part. Uh, as I mentioned, the idea of having multifunctional experience or multifunctional and managerial experience, not just in one functions, but in, in, in managing of the company. So this was also one of the reasons, yeah. I, I love that because it perfectly complements with your desire for learning, continuous learning. And I mean, you said, I mean, the, the reason why you're so inspired by meeting those people is because you learn a lot from them. It's, it's always gone in that interesting direction of learning. And it's also very complementary to what you said before. You, you kind of went from the, uh, the IT sector to investment banking, always wanted to be more frontline. And I think there's pretty much nothing more frontline than entrepreneurship. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I think this is, this is the, the, the most frontline position. Absolutely. Yeah, so it makes sense that this was the next jump of, uh, of your career. Now I'm curious, um, to dive a little bit into uh, what's up today, um, and then we jump into the, the future. I want to hear your perspective as well on uh, on agri-tech and agriculture in the future and things like that. But first, let's talk a little about, about what, what are you currently up to, um, a little bit about the company, and uh, what's most exciting right now. Um, so the company, we have right now about 20 people. Uh, we raised a bit more than $7 million. Um, from really high profile investors. Uh, we received numerous multiple awards, um, including Swiss Economic Forum Award. So we are named as a number six startup in Switzerland this year, etc. So in, the, in terms of publicity, I don't complain. Um, so and then we, we run commercial activities in Brazil in two core segments, uh, strategically selected. Uh, in two crops, sugarcane and tobacco. And we are in the process of finalizing the minimum value products for these commercial segments. 
So we are not, uh, the, the technology was developed and validated, so uh, it's not questioned anymore. But we're in the process of, uh, let's say, final stage of the product market fit, where we design product that is, uh, that is uh, attractive enough for the customers so that they can pay and get it on a recurring basis. So what's the product? Just quickly dive into that, because last time you, you explained it to me perfectly. So what's, what's, what's the actual Gamaya product? So there, there I, I just give you use cases because it's easier uh, to understand. One of the use cases uh, would be that uh, we resolve uh, operational, different operational issues of large industrial growers. For example, um, sugarcane grower, the, it's a multi-year crop uh, and they plant sugarcane not using seeds. That's why germination rate is quite low. And if they don't have plants, they carry losses over five, six years. So we help them to identify missing plants earlier on so that they can do secondary planting and to avoid multi-year losses. Another use case would be that we monitor the crop development over the season using drones and satellites, using multiple sources of data. And we try to uh, predict uh, yield and provide information about biomass development over the season so that, again, farmer can manage better their harvesting operations. Uh, other stakeholders, such as traders, that they are also interested in this kind of information. So this is kind of few use cases of the product. But in general, we provide crop diagnostic solutions uh, based on uh, drone-based uh, and satellite-based imagery. And for this, we have a patented camera that we install on a number of platforms. Now, this is, this is perfect. And so one thing you mentioned just is Brazil, right? Brazil is the market. Last time we talked, I was really fascinated by, by this because so you guys are based in Switzerland, right? Um, and you decided to choose Brazil, but not Brazil, Brazil. You decided to go for sugarcane and tobacco. Very specific. And I, I just quickly want to talk about that because in any type of innovation, it doesn't matter if it's a big corporation launching a new product or if it's a startup, I think this is pure gold because what you guys did is you spent a lot of effort and a lot of time testing and testing and testing to figure out this beautifully amazing use case or these use cases in those in that very specific niche now tell me just quickly a little bit about it how did you go about this how did you figure out that it's brazil and that it's sugarcane and tobacco yeah i mean definitely it took us it's easy to say now but it took us a lot of time to figure it out uh, so initially when we had the technology beautiful technology in our hands and especially considering that this technology can be applied to different fields, not just agriculture, to different fields, for example, mineralogy. Uh, so it was hard for us to decide where we should focus. And we've been told constantly by investors, you should focus, focus, focus. Especially, and especially it's hard when you receive everyday different requests for the services. And you don't have a lot of, uh, let's say, funding uh, so that you, you, you try to assess them, etc. But this, this obviously takes a lot of time. So we decided to, that we, uh, first of all, gonna address uh, large agricultural countries for the reasons that 
the agriculture there is consolidated and industrialized. For example, in Europe, agriculture is not industrial. It's still smallholder farmers or family farm farmers. And the average size of the farm in Europe is about 12 hectares, so it's quite small. Um, and the, when we talk about new technologies, uh, the big guys, the big agricultural producers, they have much more uh, capability and expertise to adopt these new technologies because if you talk with a small farmer I mean the, the, the last thing he wants to do is to learn new technology unless he's really like in, in, in this space uh, so once we figure out that we're gonna address uh, large industrial countries we actually literally spend time traveling in these countries so we, we, we went to South Africa we went to Russia Ukraine US Brazil, uh, all different countries. Well, we physically tried to meet uh, with the farmers, with large farmers, and understand the, the local environment. So this definitely helped uh, because just by sitting in the office and doing all kind of nice analysis that you learn from MBA usually doesn't help. Uh, so you just need to go and see and meet people. I mean, just just feel. Um, then it was uh, the choice was for us uh, because we are coming from I'm Russian Joseph is half uh, so Joseph is Israeli but speaks Russian as well so for us it was easy to address let's say Eastern Europe market it's a very large agricultural and industrial market but the choice was between Eastern Europe and Brazil uh, so we had a lot of contacts in Eastern Europe. We knew the market, we knew the rules of the market, but we, in the end we didn't, we decided to go for Brazil for one strategic reason, which is uh, the Brazil has unique uh, climate uh, conditions. It's a tropical environment and it means uh, almost continuous crop production. So uh, versus Northern Hemisphere where you can have only one crop season a year, in Brazil you can have uh, up to three crop seasons a year. For us, it's a, it's an extremely beautiful asset because you can test the technology much and get feedback much faster. Because just wait one year, uh, it's it's. I mean, the, the agriculture it's seasonal industry. That's why you need to to really find out the way how to optimize it. So this was. Uh, I mean, obviously, Brazil is second largest producer in the world. Uh, of, agri of agricultural produce and it's very much industrialized very much consolidated very much export driven and agriculture in brazil i think it, it it's takes about third of the economy so it means that's quite vital sector for them so that they do a lot of investment there absolutely so yeah there's some there's some really interesting things you mentioned i mean one of them is uh actually going there so going to these markets um, physically going there talking to people learning from them really meeting with them understanding them and things like that i think that is so crucial because there's no excel sheet that can replace that um it's just um absolutely impossible so this is uh this is powerful and then like going for that uh, market where agriculture is not just part of the economy but it's a huge part of the economy so it is actually important not only to the businesses 
but potentially also for governments and much, much higher stakeholders uh, where you can actually have um, conversations with different kind of stakeholders. You can go into um, the market from different angles. You have a much, much more, uh, you have many, many more opportunities there, not just because of the size, but also because of the uh, importance of the field in the market. And obviously because of the crop season as well. So this is, uh, and, and, and also I think the other uh, interesting lesson there is, even though both of you, both of the co-founders know the Russian market, know the Eastern European market, have already contacts there, it may have been an easier platform to launch into, but there's, there's a limit. Yeah, there's a limit to it and it shows Brazil because you guys have the longer term vision in your head and not just like a short term, um, you know, a step into a market. Love that. Perfect. So um, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about agriculture as an industry and uh, where you see things go um, in terms of technology because agriculture is sort of a, uh, one of these markets that not so many people know about. I mean, they know agriculture exists, right? Sure. <laughs> it's not a sexy industry. It's not a very sexy industry, exactly. Uh, and also, when, when we talk about technology, not a lot of people talk, uh, think about agriculture, right? Especially not in Europe. So I'm very curious about your perspective about um, the technological advancements in, in agriculture and how it's going to impact the, the farmers on the one side, but also the consumers on the yeah. other side. What sort, of, what sort of your perspective on that, where we stand today and where we may be going into the future? Okay. So, I mean, agriculture uh, is probably the uh, largest and last industry that wasn't actually touched by the digital revolution, at least uh, to much extent, to big extent, uh, comparing to other industries. But it's rapidly changing now, uh, at least with, during last, let's say, three, five years. Uh, there is right now ongoing enormous investment in all AgTech space, especially in the U.S. I think AgTech right now is the uh, second largest segment in ventures after FinTech. So it's quite, it's not, it's not uh, on radar screen yet in, in Europe because Europe again doesn't have uh, industrial agriculture. There are only a few agricultural companies here. So there is a general trend in agriculture towards uh, more sustainable and more efficient production, uh, meaning that we need uh, to grow um, food using less resources, um, such as water, chemicals, fertilizers, etc. So this is where different technologies definitely play a major role. Um, there is a big trend from a consumer perspective the consumers want to have much more transparency in terms of from where do they get products, how these products have been produced, etc. So this all uh, this affects uh, almost all um, food uh, supply chain. So in terms of uh, from a farmer's perspective, uh, I don't believe that in the next five, ten years the technologies. Uh, will replace farmers or agronomists because it's in the end uh, you still need a doctor who prescribes the treatment but the technologies will provide uh, very substantial uh, decision support to the to the most because farmer usually over the season farmer makes 40, 40 plus decisions and to large of them uh, technologies can can help 
farmers to to address these issues. So um, <clears throat> I mean, uh, the you have right now beautiful autonomous vehicles, tractors that can drive uh, across the fields. Uh, still, uh, agriculture being is a very traditional industry. I see slow adoption of the new technologies, despite everything, uh, because I think the, the main reason that usually farmers and agronomists, they're usually uh, from different generation than I am, than like majority of entrepreneurs in agtech space right now. So I think this will come definitely with the generation change because some of them, they uh, delegate responsibilities to their sons or to their, to their, to their family. Um, so, but yeah, I think uh, it will take a while until agriculture uh, will, be, um, will be affected by the digital revolution. I think also uh, initially investors were very uh, keen to invest a lot of money in this space, but now after three, four years, they understood that the value is not just in the technologies, but the value, the, the majority of the entrepreneurs and startups in this space, they actually treated agriculture as an, uh, as an IT industry. I mean, they, they, they use approach like in IT industry, but agriculture itself is a very complicated, very, very local industry, very seasonal, with all biological and environmental complexity around it. So it's very hard to approach this industry using universal approach that is used in IT industry. Uh, I think this is this is right now a big uh, how say a big shift right now in understanding of the investors and 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 the startups in this space how to actually approach uh, the agriculture. Now that's a very very interesting insights into this industry. And one one of the takeaways that I learned from this is that sort of the the technology over the over the next maybe five ten years are not going to replace the farmers, but they're more going to empower. Uh, the farmers to uh, basically make the human more valuable instead of replacing the human. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's that's great deep insights. Now I'm curious about um, Gamaya. What's what sort of your um, what's sort of your vision for the next two three years? What's what are some of the key goals you want to accomplish? Yes, I mean as I mentioned, we're in the stage of making transition from let's say technology driven company initially being a spin out from from technological laboratory here from EPFL to a commercially driven or sales driven organization um, this implies uh, obviously a change of, of mentality in organization and bringing much more uh, commercially minded people but the the high level goal next few years, we want to establish ourselves in these two market segments that I mentioned. We, be, we want to become a reference in this market. Um, and then if we are successful in this, just these two segments, because just sugarcane segment is a $50 billion market. So we're already going to be successful. It's much more easier to scale and get funding for the expansion. Once we establish ourselves in these markets, we understand the customer very well. We understand the, 
operational processes of sugarcane production, etc. So we want to, to operate on, on a scale of few million hectares. Uh, so it means like uh, in terms of revenues, we wanted to have within the next few years at least 10 million francs of recurring services in Brazil. Uh, and we want to, to build a unique uh, environmental intelligence platform that actually combines uh, uh, individual plant level analysis with large scale analytics on a scale of million hectares. So this, this, this is uh, the, let's say, much longer vision, but we're already uh, working on components to contribute to this vision. But in the end, it boils down to the um, having reliable business operations in first target segments. So one thing I'm curious about, the, the platform there. So tell me a bit more about the platform. What's, how, how will this work and uh, what kind of impact will this platform have on you know, the industry? So in the end, platform, uh, the, the platform that I mentioned, it's, it's, it it's going to combine different uh, sources of data, uh, starting from machinery, ground sensors, drones, satellites. Um, and then it will provide farmer a holistic overview of all um, agricultural operations. And uh, at each stage of the crop development, uh, we will provide the uh, actionable maps of, uh, that show actually specific issues or alerts. Uh, and actionable maps, meaning that the, the maps that the farmer can use uh, for, for any, any treatment. Uh, so for example, uh, farmer would be able to use uh, variable rate prescription of fertilizers and chemicals based on our maps so that they can optimize uh, inputs uh, so that instead of spraying chemicals uh, on a, on a, using average rate, they would spray chemicals using a much more targeted and efficient way. Perfect. Yeah, I love that. So um, the impact is going to be definitely efficiency, um, having a better overview. Um, this, is, this is perfect. So with another, another impact is just to mitigate, uh, manage enormous risks because agriculture is exposed also to, to weather risk. And you need, usually the season is quite short, so the time frame to react to certain issues is very short. So that's why uh, if we can alert in advance about certain issues, it, it will have a tremendous impact on the farmer life. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I love, I love how the company has, uh, you know, um, and it, maybe it comes with the industry, but um, sort of like a, a, a bigger vision than just, you know, uh, growth and scale and things like that. So I, I love that um, about, you know, the, the mission of the company. Now I'm curious about, you know, what you mentioned in terms of the goals. Um, what would be some of the things that if you had access to them would make the acceleration faster or easier? Is there certain resources, capabilities, uh, anything that you right now is on top of your mind that you say that would make it much, much easier? Yeah, definitely. Uh, in terms of access to, to 
commercial agricultural uh, capabilities. Uh, because again, Europe is not is not uh, strong uh, in commercial agriculture, and it's extremely difficult to find talents from commercial agriculture industry. This would definitely uh, simplify our life and understanding of actually agriculture and customers. Because uh, again, different crops, different regions, uh, different countries, they have all different growing practices. They have all different uh, issues vary from country to crop to, to region, etc. So this, this, makes, um, this makes this industry very complicated. Um, so then, then access to, uh, let's say, most uh, advanced forward-looking customers. It's, it's easy to say that we address the sugarcane uh, market, but it's very hard to find in this market the most advanced customers. You, we actually visited uh, probably around 20, 20 large farmers, and generally it's, it's about 10% only, 10 to 15% of, let's say, the innovators in the market. And because we are talking about new technologies, for us it's extremely important to work with them because they in the end become a reference uh, customer for us and they uh, help us to establish ourselves in these markets. This is definitely uh, would simplify our life, but this is process, so it takes time. I think uh, this can be resolved by uh, establishing early on access to local contacts or local people from the industry that know uh, market much better than us being in Switzerland. So in this sense, we work with a local team in Brazil that helps us to, to address this problem. Uh, and other, other aspect would be, um, other aspect would be access to funding. Uh, it, it's never ending story. Because we are not talking about uh, just uh, investment. We are talking investment that can be leveraged by um, network, by capabilities, by understanding, etc. So it's also very difficult uh, to find investors that actually, let's say, uh, entrepreneurs friendly, that they can help proactively to entrepreneurs. Uh, because this was one of the criteria. We were not looking just for money. Money sometimes you can get easily. I mean, not easily, but you can get them. But it's very hard to find proactive investors, not that just sit at the boards and to protect the investors, but actually understand the, uh, the industry and help, for example, to get uh, high profile talents in the company. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, it's a great, some great points. So a uh, couple of things that I heard, um, just to uh, repeat the, the main points, talent in, in, in the sector who really understand the technological side and the commercial side, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is uh, either you know, cu customers directly in Brazil or uh, people in uh, Brazil or with that um, cultural background with, that can help with contacts and influence and things like that. And the third is uh, investors who really understand um, the industry who understand the advancements, who want to advance the industry, and who are also you know, entrepreneurial minded and not just interested in investing 
companies that already do 20 or 30 million in, in revenues, but actually really interested in investing in the entrepreneurs. So that's perfect. Um, now, if people want to connect with you or connect with the company, uh, what, are, what are the best places to do that online? I mean, we are living in digital world, so any kind of uh, ways, Google, LinkedIn, emails, calls, etc. So, I mean, so thank you so much, Igor, for being on the show. Really appreciate your insights, uh, your perspective in this, uh, in this industry that is not a lot talked about in Europe. So, uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Igor. Thanks for listening to The Aligned Leader. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe so you get full access to all the newly released episodes every Wednesday. Do you have any topics that you would like us to cover? Then send us an email to daniel at leadersbridge.org and we'll work on it. And if you'd like to learn more about our initiatives, for example, like the CEO Collaboration Day, head over to leadersbridge.org.